global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Ford Motors light vehicle sales soared 20% in February, while Fiat Chrysler automobiles deliveries climbed 12%. Both exceeded analyst estimates thanks to payback from January's storm, promotions tied to the President's Day holiday, and continued strong demand for sport utility vehicles and pickups. Nissan also beat while GM sales fell 1.5% last month, and that missed analyst estimates. U.S. stocks, meanwhile, are rising amid investor optimism about central bank support. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P 500 up half percent or nine points to 1941. Dow Jones Industrial Average up four tenths percent or 67 points to 16,583. The Nasdaq up six tenths percent or 27 points to 4585. Ten-year Treasury, little change, yield 1.73 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.77 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 1% or 31 cents to 33.42 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent or $6.50 at 12.40.70 an ounce. The euro, $1.0858, the yen 113.06. And Honeywell International saying it would no longer pursue a combination with United Technologies due to the target company's unwillingness to negotiate. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Hey, Karen, thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Super Tuesday from our News Bureau in Washington. One of our themes today is to speak to people with experience, people that have linked strategy and tactics of our economic politics or political economics. Jose Parr has done that. He's worked with Senator Reed of Nevada, among others, of actually doing something that a lot of people 30 years ago weren't sure was possible, which is organize, get out, and do the Hispanic vote. We could go for three hours today, based on what Vin Weber said earlier of Hispanic stronghold Minnesota, about the importance of the world of the Latino and the Hispanic uh, vote. Give us the state of the Latino vote after what we learned in 2008 and 2012. Well, 2008 and 2010 were also um, were seminal years. Uh, it's obviously been growing uh, by by leaps and bounds. Uh, participation is not is not where it should be. If it were, and this could be a litmus test year for that. Uh, for example, in 2012, you had about 23 million eligible Hispanic voters. Close to 12 million turned out to the polls. So still underperforming. But still, were, they played a decisive role in states like Florida and uh, Nevada to help President Obama win. And in 2010, uh, we actually had presidential-type turnout to uh, in Nevada to back Senator Reid. And according to the firm Latino decisions, Senator Reid won 90 percent of the vote that year. Interestingly, if you want to compare that year, 2010, to, to what's occurring right now, the rhetoric was very much very similar. Sharon Angle... Uh, Senator Reed's, um, point at the moment was, um, uh, basing her campaign on immigration. And she spent about a third of her, uh, TV budget on anti-immigrant ads. And that contrast between her and Senator Reed really helped turn the Latino vote out. Well, when we speak of the Latino vote, I mean, it's people from Mexico, people from the Caribbean, people from South America. You've got immigrant, recent immigrants, and you've got families who've been here for generations. So what is the Latino slash Hispanic vote? Are there 
issues that are common to all, or do we make a mistake by lumping everybody together? Well, it is definitely a moving target. And no, anybody who tells you that they've had the Hispanic vote figured out, um, they're, they're selling you a bunch of goods. Um, because it is a moving target, something you need to be measuring all the time, and something you need to be and in a public you need to be listening to constantly in order to figure out where they are. You have huge differences between Florida, for example, and Nevada. Even in Florida, in Florida you need to mark your target. For example, you need to talk to the Colombians, you need to talk to Nicaraguans, right, right, you right. need to talk to Cubans, and each one has different radio stations. For example, that they listen to. Um, How can Mr. Trump do so well against? a departed Bush and a President Rubio in that state, given the fabulous diversity and Florida advantage? A lot of Americans are asking that question. Well, I think the biggest thing here is that we're talking about um, a, a fractured GOP, um, and you're talking about a fraction of the GOP, which is a majority but not a, a, a um, big majority of the – it's not 50 percent plus – of the GOP field or of GOP voters. And uh, I think that's what's happening there. And he's turning out, I bet you, a lot of people in northern Florida uh, and rural parts of Florida, which are very similar to Alabama or Georgia uh, in its uh, demographic makeup. Are there – is there a, um, a Latino vote that is committed to one side or another? Because the Republican argument coming out of 2012 is we need to appeal more because our issues – Conservative issues, religious issues would appeal to Hispanics. On an economic basis, the Democrats say we can compete. Is the vote still up for grabs or has it hardened in one side or the other? Not after what Trump has done. And uh, there's been an unfortunate trend uh, within the GOP, which Trump, in reality, what he did was harness this trend and use his megaphone as a media figure to project it. Because this type of language we've been hearing from Steve King, from Mo Brooks, uh, from Jan Brewer – and the, the Arizona law of, um, of 2010, which, by the way, Marco Rubio back to the time, which meant that if you look Latino or sound a Latino, you could be right. stopped. And that, started, that turned immigration into an identity issue. The background here for Washington, and we've heard this from 99.1 FM Washington listeners over the last few days, is Robert Kagan's important op-ed in the Washington Post. He is at the Brookings Institution, and he just wrote a basic theme of what you address about uh, the GOP. Um, the president is not only wrong, but also anti-American, un-American, non-American, and his policies, though barely distinguishable from those of previous liberal Democrats, such as Michael Dukakis or Mario Cuomo, are somehow representative of something subversive. Do they just lose all of the minority vote in America with that language? I mean, they've been pushing that language for a long, long time now, for at least for for eight years. What was the percent of Hispanics in the Romney election for Mr. Romney? About 27%. And that number, and and, and, and I would argue that that number is probably lower because that's based on on an exit polling, which tends to undermeasure minority communities. And we talk about uh, Donald Trump, obviously, as sort of the front runner in the Republican side. Suppose you get a Hispanic, you get uh, Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz, who wrests the nomination away from him. How does that change the dynamic? I don't think much, because what Trump has done is forced the party to tack right in its message and its tone and forced all these guys to chase him as, as far as his rhetoric. 
maybe with uh, much less crass language until this weekend when mm-hmm. we saw Marco Rubio going tit for tat with uh, with Trump. But um, even Jeb Bush, who a lot of people consider a very pro-immigrant and and somebody steeped deeply in the in, in Hispanic culture, uh, used the term anchor babies, for example, at some point. Everybody was trying to catch up to Trump. And it's going to be very hard for these guys to come back from right. that side of the side of the spectrum. But, Secretary oh, – go ahead, Mike. Well, please, I was just going to say, can, can uh, Secretary Clinton then take the Hispanic vote for granted? They're going to come to her. No. She cannot take the vote for granted because um, the issue with Hispanics is – and, and Democrats and Republicans is not so much whether Latinos will become Republicans and vote Republican. The question is whether they will stay home, as happened in the midterm of 2014. For example, uh, in Nevada, we went to a participation uh, among Latinos of, uh, of 27%. And we lost even a Latino uh, majority district, CD4, Interesting. in Nevada. Interesting. So turnout, turnout is the key. And I, I wrote this on Twitter the other day. Turnout is everything. You, and you need to forward. give the and you need to For give all, people all people all people. And you need to give people not just a reason to vote against something, but also right. an alternative to vote now, for. We would love to have you come back when we visit Washington. Thank you, now, Jose Parra, uh, uh, with us with his perspective, working with Senator Reid of Nevada on Latino affairs. Prospero Latino is his strategic insight. Uh, organization. Uh, Mike, uh, we're going to go to San Francisco. It's something we've not addressed today. Uh, we're going to go to San Francisco yep. here in the next hour. Yes. Carol Masser and uh, Corey Johnson are out yeah. at a cybersecurity conference. Um, they have actually, they knew that we were going to go to them because they've been reading our computer messages earlier. They, yeah. They've learned everything they need to learn about our, how to, The RSA uh, conference and really front and center on Apple. We know everything. And that is a major issue on Capitol Hill today uh, with uh, the hearings on Apple. Yeah. Carol, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, we do know everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is all about uh, keeping our digital world safe. So you've got Google here, Adobe here. You've got the car makers here. And we're going to be talking to some of them, just some of the initiatives that are underway to protect uh, everything that's uh, going on in the digital space. So uh, kind of fascinating. And you're right. It's front and center up on Capitol Hill today uh, with Apple there and uh, also the Pentagon talking about some of the cybersecurity initiatives they need. So we're going to cover it all here from uh, San Francisco. Carol Master, thank you uh, so much. Again, Super Tuesday programming all day on Bloomberg Radio to give you perspective. We hope away from the hysteria. And, of course, important programming tonight with Mark Halpern and uh, John Heilman with all due respect uh, as we begin to look at the returns from the many Super Tuesday states. The good news for me and Mike, we'll be here tomorrow morning to pick up the debris of uh, the various elections and to give you perspective forward on the nation's very political economics. From Washington, this is Bloomberg Surveillance.